The Courage to Lead, episode 165. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Jeremy Stretton. Jeremy Stretton is a coach, mastermind facilitator, founder, and chief executive officer at Business Legal Lifecycle, a virtual software as a service tool that can help business owners identify the blind spots in their business. He's the author of the Amazon number one bestselling book, The Business Legal Lifecycle. Uh, Jeremy has appeared on various television shows, podcasts, and radio interviews. He also provides regular content for websites across Australia. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank, thanks so much for having me, Harlan. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. No, this is great. So did you grow up knowing you wanted to be a lawyer? No. <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, you want to in be? fact, I, I grew up and when I went through um, high school, everyone told me that I should get into IT. And what they didn't realize that was that I knew enough about IT to be dangerous. And I had enough of an attention span with IT to be dangerous. And so after about six months of doing that at, at university, I realized that it wasn't for me. And so I started looking for something else. And I, 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 I would say that I fell into law, but I fell in love with law when, when, okay. I, when I did that. And I really enjoyed it. But no, I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do. I was too busy breaking computers and software and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I want to come back and talk about how you got your start, uh, how you got into law, what areas of law you focus on, and then when you made that transition to start working to help people with the uh, business legal life cycle. All right. But before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Um, these are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where those James Lipton asked these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, certainly good enough for my guests. So Jeremy, if you're ready, I am 10 quick questions. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Courage. Excellent. What is your least favorite word? Pivot. Mm, okay. What turns you on? Helping people. Great. What turns you off? Backstabbing. Mm. What sound or noise do you love? The laughter of my children. Job. What sound or noise do you hate? When they're crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is your favorite curse word? And let me pause for a second. We didn't go through this, I don't think. Uh, we don't have to go into a lot of detail. I had one of your Aussie mates, <laughs> and he went off on a word that rhymes with hunt, and he's going on and on and on. It's like, stop. So, Starts with, sounds like, rhymes with, something like that. All right? It's, yep. So It sa sounds like yuck. <laughs> okay. Perfect. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I don't have one. Um, I've kind of moved into where I wanted to go to. I, actually, no, an airline pilot. I would mm. love to learn how to be a, a pilot and to, and to fly planes. Excellent. That's been a dream for a long time. Yep. Nice. And there's still plenty of time. You can do that. Still is. Yeah. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Garbage disposal. 
All right, and final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You made a difference. Nice. You made a difference. Absolutely. Very cool. All right, we're going to come back, talk about how you got started, the areas of law you used to focus on, and then how you transitioned into uh, the business legal life cycle. All right? So listeners, we're going to talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Jeremy Stratton. Jeremy, thanks again for getting up so early to be to be on the podcast. You're in Brisbane. Australia, yes, Brisbane, right? Australia, okay. uh, which nice. uh, in 2032 will be the host of the Olympics. Uh, if people don't know where it is, where the... We're the third host over here, and um, yeah, it's six AM. But I love getting up early. I get up early and read, so I'm more than more than happy to be up and, and doing this because this is what I love to do. Excellent, very cool. So, what area of law did you did you uh, focus on while you were in school? Um, so when I when I really first started, I was kind of a jack of all trades in, in different types of law, but I really fell into business law and property law. So helping business owners to really you know, build great businesses and to put the things in place that they need for their business. And then, and then that just naturally flows into property law, where you help those same people buy property and lease property and, and do all that, all that kind of stuff. When I first, when I first started my legal career, I was doing uh, conveyancing, so the buying and selling of houses. I did that for about um, a year, just really intense that that type of work, and then moved into into more of those types of, of law because I enjoyed them more. Yeah, cool. So, what do you see happening in businesses that brought you to the point to where you started business legal life cycle? And, and wrote the book and stuff. Yeah, so so really I got frustrated with law being this reactive thing. So where people, they didn't, they didn't try and stop problems from occurring before and try and plug their legal risks before mm. a problem occurred. They just took a reactive approach and just, you know, when, when something happened, they just tried to solve the problem. And, and Helen, there were, there were really two uh, matters that I acted for, two clients I acted for, and I won't go into all the details, uh, but suffice to say, one client lost over a million dollars of other people's money on a property investment deal okay. that they could have solved if they just got legal advice. And another one almost lost $2 million. He lost about half a million dollars, but he lost almost lost $2 million in property investments that he had himself in business investments, wow. all because they didn't get legal advice. And Harlan, that really struck me because at the time, they were both new clients of mine that they came to me after after these problems occurred, and and I said to them, why why didn't you get advice? Why you know this this could have been solved? And it's the same old story. Lawyers are expensive. People don't see it as an investment; they see it as a cost. Right. Uh, that they don't like dealing with lawyers. <laughs> they, yeah, law, lawyers talk down to them. Lawyers don't use you know, use words that they don't understand. And three, they just they just thought they could fix it later. And mm-hmm. so it really, that was a really formative moment for me. And it happened around the same time. And at the time, uh, my business coach and I were uh, working through life cycles of, of business. And I realized, I realized at the time that there was a legal life cycle, that there was a, a the, the businesses that had done the right thing had and, and had been successful and, and had built up to an exit 
had followed a similar path. They'd done certain things. They'd reduced their risks early in certain areas and then they'd, they'd built up the, the risk as they went. And I started to, to really map it out. And it was really, I, I, remember, I remember sitting at my desk, just really frustrated, uh, you know, late in the afternoon one day. And I really started mapping it out against, against the, um, like the Adir's life cycle um, that, that he made famous. And I realized that by, by looking at and really studying the business, so, so I mapped it out in, in a broad sense. And then I really sat down and I studied the businesses that did things well and when they didn't do them well and moved some things around and adjusted a few things. And I realized that, that here's a concept that we can actually help people to understand what they need to do to be proactive in their life nice. in their business life and to stop those problems from occurring. And that was a really formative moment for me, Helen, because before then I was going to be a lawyer for the rest of my life. And, and, I, and that's, what, that's what I knew what to do. I, that's what I do well. And I realized that, that I could actually make a difference with people by plugging that hole. And I don't want to build a big international law firm. Nothing could be worse for me. I don't have the bandwidth for that. But to actually provide tools that people can use to identify their legal risks and then go and work with a lawyer to plug those legal risks really has, has I really found something that, that I am passionate about and that I can really help people up to make a difference in their lives. Nice. Yeah, because after something happens, it's, it's too late, right? Oh, often it is. Yeah. So, 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 so what happens, unfortunately, is sometimes, sometimes you are able to fix a problem. And so people think, oh, well, if I can fix that small problem, then, um, then yeah, I can fix all my problems that way. Uh, and so, yeah, success, the success breeds the hubris of, of yeah, of, I can do that for everything. And there's, there are certain legal risks that you just can't come back from. Yeah. And yeah, with the, the million dollars that they lost of other people's money, if they had just sat down and talked about where they wanted to go with the business and, mm. and formed a, 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 an agreement at the beginning, they probably would have never gone to business together <laughs> to, yeah. to, to be truthful. Yeah. But, 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 but no one had that conversation with them. No one did that work with them. And so, yeah, it, it just, it just proceeded to disaster. And so, yeah, it, there are, there are some legal things. I, and I will, I will be honest because the listeners are probably going, well, I, I didn't do this and I, and I got out of that. And that, that's probably the case, but that's not for everything. And there are bigger things and there are bigger risks out there that can end up just crashing a business uh, that, that you haven't realized. Uh, is it mainly like contracts and agreements and things like that? Is that usually what? Uh... Probably the biggest thing, and, and, the, and, and especially in the early phases of the life cycle. So we start with conception. We go into our startup where you start the business. We then move into initial clients and then bringing on employees. The, the, the Probably the biggest thing that's misses that's missing from those first four things or actually i'll, I'll give two one is actually setting out a direction of where you're going you know stephen covey in seven habits talks about starting up with the end in mind right. um I, I like to flip that to start up with an end in mind because people's goals change mm. you know, every six months um, and i know mine do and so so it's like but have a goal because you've got to set it up for that but then it's around the communication. So when you bring on employees, it's actually communicating your expectations and, and, and having, and so having that in an agreement, um, Harlan, is so important. Same with clients. You know, when you start a business, it's really easy to go, I just want to get in there and do my work for my clients. I know, I've been there and, and, and I get it. You're just super excited. You just want to get in and do that. You don't want to deal with the legal stuff. Like that's, yeah. that's boring. The problem is that if you haven't communicated properly and then put it into an agreement so that everyone understands what the, the rules of the game are, then everyone will have their own idea at the time. And you know, you know, if you saw a car accident, Harlan, and I saw a car accident, right. and 
seven other people did, we'd all have you know, nine different opinions about what, what happened in the car accident. Uh, and and um, that's just human nature. So documenting it in an agreement really helps to, to, to solidify what those things are. And then things change in the future. So then you amend that as you go. But so, so yes, to answer your question, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking, you know, not, not just answering quickly, but that's because it's, it's the agreement, but it's really the communication behind the yeah. agreement. And it's really the communication around the why and what we're doing and everyone getting on the same page. It's so important. I love, I love, um, I love Jim Collins work. And he talks about leadership being the art of getting people to want to do uh, what must be done. Right. And we were talking about this in one of my masterminds just, just yesterday, actually. And, and you know, the key is what must be done and everyone being on the same page about what, what yeah. must be done. And that's the same in, in anything that you do. So, um, Yes, agreements are important, but it's really the communication behind the agreement that yeah. is the secret sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Working with my clients, we talk about putting together that vision, mission, purpose, right? What? Did, why are we here? What do we do? How do we do it? What are those core values that drive the business so that everybody understands what those are and, you know, they're um, making their decisions based on those same core values. If that's not there, people just run amok, mm. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I saw a quote the other day about, and it had to do with wellness. If you don't take time for wellness, you're going to have to devote time for the illness, right? And it's the same way with lawyers. You're going to have a lawyer at some point in the business. You can do it now and get everything situated, or you can wait till later, where it may be a lot more costly to get you out of the situations. I love that. I haven't I haven't heard that one before, but I really love that. That uh, yeah, you deal with your wellness now, and yeah, yeah, yeah and, that, and that that definitely applies. That's exactly what we're talking about, and it's one of those things, Harlan. That you know, a lot of times people go, I, I, I never see the actual benefit because because you can't see the benefit of something that you've avoided if right. you don't know that you've ever avoided it. But it's it's the same as and you know, when I coach people, you know, it's, it's the trust me now, believe me later philosophy. It's trust yeah. me that I've seen these businesses go through these problems, and. You know, this is what this is how we make sure that you don't have those same problems, and then you'll believe me later. But yeah, you know, when you see other people have those problems later on, yeah. But surely you have a lot of anecdotal evidence of what this could cost if you continue down this path. This is what this could cost your business. Yes, yes. In my books, um, that are, you know, I've, I have, I don't know, there'd be there'd be like fifty to hundred examples. Like I, I don't know the exact number. That's a very yeah. broad range. But there'd be tens and tens of examples yeah. of where people haven't done these things and how taking that reactive mindset has cost them lots of money. I just I just picked out those two before. There's lots of them. Yeah. And Helen, I, I I talk you know uh, in Australia to lawyers. I talk to business owners, I go to, in, to the UK and I do the same thing and I come to the US and I do the same thing. Well, not for the last couple of years, but I, I did previous right. to that and I will be, I will be going forward. And, um, and you know, so often they come up to me, the lawyers in particular, and they kind of whisper to me and they say, Jeremy, I had the same problem happen with one of my clients. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And, 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 they, and, and, and everyone thinks, oh, that just doesn't happen to everyone, but it right. does. And, you know, yeah. whether I'm doing a talk in Nashville or Florida or London or Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne, it's the same problems that people have. And yeah. you know, I think exposing that will help people to realize that there is actually some benefit that, that they can have. And there's, there's heaps of examples in my book. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, any lawyer or, or anyone who's been in business for any time would probably have their own examples of where sure. someone didn't get that advice and it really cost them long-term. But even you can go on YouTube right now <laughs> and you can learn how to do almost anything. Do people go out and try to find their own contracts and write their own contracts and think that's going to cover them. 
they do. And there are some great services, especially they're not so much over here, but they are in the in the US that, that give you template contracts. Uh, and they're a good starting point. The, the problem with those, with, with any sort of agreement, and, and, and Harlan, the worst thing that I see over here in Australia is that people pull off like a contract that they find from an American company that refers to yeah, yeah, Massachusetts law or Texas law or Florida law. And then right. they, they, they get people to sign it over here and think that they can enforce it. Uh, that's, that's like the bane of my existence <laughs> over here. Um, but, but the issue is that the, 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 the technology just isn't there right now to customize a contract for every single person. So you can get those contracts and you can write and, and, and you know, that, that'd be a good baseline. But that's what they are. They're a good baseline of, of writing the, the basics that you need to have in there. But you still need a human being who knows what they're talking about. And that, unfortunately, for people who don't like lawyers, that's a lawyer. And yeah. if you don't like lawyers, find one that you do like, because <laughs> there's plenty of us out there. Um, uh, you know, that's what the lawyer does. The lawyer will we'll review it and make sure it'll actually work in your circumstances. And most of the time, it'll probably cover 99% of things. But there's always, always going to be something that you've missed. There's always going to be something that you haven't thought of that you can get extra value to doing that. So yeah, I see people do that all the time, Harlan. I, I see them use the contracts all the time and then they come to you with this contract. And as I say, the worst one I see is yeah, the Texas contract that says <laughs> that they're trying to enforce in Brisbane, Australia. And, um, and, and, and you just can't do it. And for the small investment of going to a lawyer and talking through what, what you're trying to achieve and making sure that you're doing that correctly, it'll save you a lot of trouble moving forward. Yeah, yeah, because those contracts can be written specifically for whatever your business is and whatever your goals are, right? Instead yeah, absolutely, of just and general. Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 because the way that the law work functions around the world, like I, I study law around the world. Uh, yeah, you've got is it fifty states in America? Mm -hmm. We've got six states here in Australia. In England, the UK, there's three three different countries or four different countries. Each one has their own system of law, right? And so, and 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 that causes a nuance to each type of agreement you know you've got different data protection rules in in europe as you do to california to that you do to australia so you've got to make sure that what that it works for what you're trying to achieve and whilst one of my goals harlan in the long term is to build a platform that we can actually automate that process the technology it just is not at a point to do that at the moment and i think it will at one point at some point but right now when we're recording this in mid 2022 it ain't there and so you need to use a lawyer to, to help you write that Absolutely. So tell me about the business life cycle, the business legal life cycle. Is it just where the legal side comes, runs parallel with the way the business, because I understand the business life cycle, but where does the legal aspects? So, so it's definitely uh, designed to be in parallel to the to a business life cycle. Uh, the, the main goal, and if uh, people go to our website, they can see the, the graphic of the life cycle. They'll notice that at the very top, that the pinnacle is selling the business. Because what we want to do is, is at some point, every business owner will exit their business, whether they mm. like it or not, right? And what we want is when they do exit that business to get the best return on their hard work and, and their effort. And that's the same with the, with the life cycle, you know, just the normal business life cycle. So what it's designed to do is to really help build a business to that exit point. Um, so one, you know, designed to build that and also to reduce your legal risks along the way, because if you're reducing your legal risks, you're increasing your value. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and um, you know, it, it, it just, it, one flows from the other. And so, and, and so it's really designed to, to, to build up your business so that it can be a saleable asset. Uh, and uh, it takes you through well, the 13 phases in all. And the first four are, are about starting up. So starting up your business, in, sorry, the first three, starting up your business. Then we consolidate our business. 
That's when we might bring on employees, protect, okay. you know, really look at protecting our IP. And we're really building it to then expand. And there's many ways to be right with expansion. And then that's the next four phases and that takes you off the sale. And then there's the business, the business exit phases. So, uh, yeah, we can go through the, the, all the phases if you like. Uh, otherwise, people can, can have a look at it on the, on the website. But it's all designed to get to that saleable point so that you've, you've plugged all your legal risks and you can really uh, just enjoy what you're doing. And, you, and, and the, the big key on having a saleable business, Harlan, as you would know, you don't have to sell. If you have a saleable business, it's probably it's probably really profitable. <laughs> so you might want to right. just keep it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, talking about exit strategies, a lot of a lot of companies get upset. It's like, well, I will never exit my business. I will never. It's like, yes, you will. You'll either sell it outright or you'll give it to a family member, right? Or or pass it down as a, a legacy. But you want to make sure that it's a nice, stable, well-run company. Right. Yeah. And the and the and the real from my perspective, especially from a legal perspective is that the average business, when they make that decision, is two years away from actually being in a place where they can actually sell for various reasons. Yeah. Uh, so if you know, normally when that happens, it's because they're unwell or they've had enough or <laughs> yeah. you know, a multitude of other reasons. They're the two main reasons. And you know, when people come to me in that, in that situation and they go, I want to sell my business, it's like, well, you can, but it's it's worth less than what it could be if you if you if you do this more. They're either burnt out or they're unwell, and so they don't have that two years to do it. So it's it's you know what one one of the the things that I like to when I when I do speaking engagements when I when I sit down and talk to people about what we're doing, it's like you want to reduce that two years down, and this helps you do that to make sure all the legal legal side is in place so that you can sell the business when you want to. So the the software. You created is that like a, a questionnaire to ask them to go through and at this stage in your business you should have these things in place yes so so it, it's a legal risk assessment uh, it goes through the the phases uh, and our, there's about 30 questions depending on some of the answers it can be 31 32. Okay. it takes about 10 minutes like they're, they're, they're not designed as legal questions that people need to you know obsess over they're designed in plain english everything i do is in plain english i, I try to you know i used the word hubris before <laughs> Sometimes i wonder if that's <laughs> i understood you I, yeah, that's yeah good. i know you did and 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 i don't you know i i, I yeah anyway um, i try to always always use plain english words <laughs> but sometimes i slip uh but the yeah it's designed to to answer to ask those questions they're yes or no questions in most cases and then what it, at the end of the day, it spits out a report. Uh, and yeah, it's about $1,000 worth of legal value if you went to a lawyer to get that. And what we do is it spits out a report about what are the legal risks in your business. What, what It places you in the life cycle. So it might find you in phase five, which is protecting intellectual property. And it will say, what are you missing from that phase? And then it will go back and say, what are you missing from the previous four phases? And then what do you need to set up for the future? So it really helps you to understand that. And then it's designed for you to either do that with your lawyer or you to do it and then take it to a lawyer and if you don't have a lawyer we have a lawyer referral service as well nice. um uh, you know through our networks we can find a lawyer in your, in your area and uh the idea is that then you sit down with your lawyer and go okay what do i need to do right now and, and what what are the holes that i need to plug uh right now and work with the lawyer to do that so that's that that's that's our legal risk assessment and we won so brisbane is the capital of a state called queensland in australia mm -hmm. and a few years ago we won the queensland law society's innovation and law award beating out some of the big big australian law firms uh for that innovation because uh yeah it's, it's quite innovative from what other people do so we're very proud of that nice no congratulations on that but yeah i was going to ask how does a business owner know what life cycle what phase they're in in the life cycle mm. right yes 
so they can read my book and and I I give indicators there, but the assessment is designed for that exact purpose to say, okay, I'm in phase five. This is what I need to do. Gives very actionable steps. Gives gives a checklist. Take it to your lawyer, then they can go and do that work. Nice, very cool. And so, yeah, the big question I guess for me is why aren't business owners asking for help? You know, why aren't they engaging? We talk about the exit strategy. You can't just wake up one morning as a business owner and decide, you know what, I think I'm going to sell my business today, right? That's something that takes a process, takes a long time to go through, prepare the business for that. Same thing with this. You're starting a business. Why aren't you starting off on the right foot, having uh, legal representation to help you make sure that all those foundational elements are in place? You can grow and add things as you need to, but you have to have an, an understanding of where you're going. Yeah, I, I think it comes from, I think there's many, many reasons. And and for the the listeners and for yourself, Arla, there's many reasons why people don't do that. One is one is they see it as a cost, not an investment. Two, they think they can just solve it later. I think I think the biggest problem is that there are the unknown unknowns. Yeah, there's no, no knowns that, yeah, that, that, that chart, I'm, I can't remember who came up with it, but there's the concept of unknown unknowns. You as a business owner don't know what you don't, you right. don't know that you're missing in your business. And me as the lawyer, I don't know that you don't know what you're missing in your business. And because lawyers are worldwide great technicians, right? They're excellent at what they do. I, I know that. I work with them. They're really good. So they get laser focused on doing the work. They never have the conversation with the client about what, what are they missing. And that there's no, there's no um, animosity. There's no, there's no real reason they don't do that. The reason is just that they're busy being a great lawyer and, and and helping people. And so they never get to that next stage. And so they're, you know, they're the reasons that I see people don't do it. And it, they're dangerous because they're, they're, those unknown unknowns can come up and bite you. And, you know, you could go through a business and, and none of those problems ever occur, never happen. But most of the time, there will be something that you've missed and that will cost you money because you haven't done that early on. And so that's what we want to try and prevent and, and really change the way, Harlan, that people view their lawyers and, and, and how they view legal advice. Absolutely. I mean, people are, like you said, they're afraid of the legal jargon, but it's there for a reason. You know, words have meaning, words have connotations. Every word that's in that contract is there to protect you one way or another, right? It's not just there to confuse you. I mean, I think automobile manufacturers make cars purposely confusing so you can't work on them anymore, right? I remember when you used to be able to sit inside the engine compartment and work on the car. You can't do that anymore. I think they do that on purpose. But lawyers, they use the language, they use the words to help protect, right? Yeah, so, and, and, and and that's right. But they could also explain it in plain English as well. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't need to use big complicated words if, yeah. if um, you know, where you can use a proper you know, explanation. And I think sometimes, sometimes I think lawyers do, you know, the same re reason you say for the car manufacturers. I think that lawyers sometimes use big words and they use these grandiose concepts that, that sound confusing to people so that people come to them. Right. But what they don't realise is people don't want that, right? And people want to learn for themselves and people want to understand. And in fact, the best return you're going to get on legal advice is when you understand the why you need to do something and what you need to do <laughs> because yeah. if you don't understand that right then you're not going to uh, make sure it's done correctly you're not going to get the right advice so I, th I think there is a little bit of even subconsciously oh i don't want um my client to really understand what they're doing because i want them to use me but but i think that's ca counterproductive i think that yeah. that actually 
has a negative like like you're saying with the car it's like you know they're basically computers on wheels now (laughs) you have to go and get them serviced at a at a a, um dealer you can't or a mechanic you can't just do it in-house so i think i think there's a lot of similarities there unfortunately definitely so where did you find the courage i mean you had a great job as a lawyer you were in a good law firm making decent money i'm imagining and then you came up with this concept that takes a little bit of courage to step out and say, I'm going to do this mm. other thing. Where did that come from? It really, I've thought about that. And I, I think, I think, it, and it's a great question. I think it comes from my why. So really, yeah, one of the things we do every year, um, you know, the, the listeners can't see it, but on the back of my, on my wall here is my, my, like my business charts that we do mm. with our business coaching. And, and every, every year we're challenged to sit down and think about what's our greater purpose. What's our grand vision you know, the BHAG, all, all that kind of stuff yeah. uh, that Jim Collins popularized and, and all that all of that stuff. And I really, really realized that I wanted to help more people, but I didn't want to do that by being a lawyer anymore. And it was really realizing that that I could do that. And so, you know, going worldwide really came from, I went to a conference in London with my wife. She's a, a legal academic. And it was this boring topic about, contracts in insolvency law or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. She found it interesting and that's all that's all that matters, right? That's all that matters, yes. I came along because my sister lives there and and um and I love London. Anyway, um but I sat there and I heard all these speakers from different countries from Russia, from not that they're very popular at the moment, but um from from France, from Angola, from you know America, from you know South America, from all, all different parts of the world. And I realized that the law wasn't that different. Alan. I, I realized that the the law at a high level wasn't that different. And I realized that, that we could do it. And so it was really out of that came this, this realization that we could really help more people and that it was possible to do it. So I don't think I, I never made a decision, you know, on courage. You know, I said that's one of my favorite words because it is because it really does like business takes courage. Right. Sure. And and I, I think that for me, it's it was just this iterative process where and I realized that I could do it. And I looked at the world and went, other people do it. I can't write. Nice. Yeah, business takes courage. Writing a book takes courage, right? Mm, absolutely. Just, yeah. Very cool. So the, the life cycle, how many different phases are there? There are the 13 phases. 13, 13 phases. phases, yeah. Yep. And wow. the phase 11 is selling the business. And then there's retirement if you if you want to retire. Okay. And then there's winding up the business. So the, the first 10 are all about building you up to, to phase 11, selling the business. And that is standard across the globe, pretty much? The, oh, we have found, the life cycle. Uh, in, in, so I've published the books in Australia, the UK and the US. I've actually got a draft book for South Africa at nice. the time of recording this uh, that I was going to go over and meet and just finalize with my, so I get a lawyer in each com- country to help me rewrite the book and to tell me how the law is different. Um, and I was going over in March, 2020, and we all know what happened then. And so <laughs> I haven't been able to, to, to get back to, to South Africa, but I will, I will sh- shortly and then go out other places. But yes, to answer your question, the, 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 the basic, it's like life cycles of, of a business, right? That, that, that concept applies from Australia to America to, to the UK to you know, Europe to India. You know, it, it applies across the globe and it's the same with the, the legal life cycle. I don't get into the, the weeds of exactly what or the how or what you need right. to do. I get into the, at a broad level, this is what you need to do and this is why you need to do it. And then I give you the who of who, you're, of who you need to do it and the nice. when as well. 
but I don't do I don't I don't do the work. And as I said earlier, one of my goals is once technology catches up, you know, to, to actually start to try and build that out. Uh, but that's it's not there yet. Um, yeah. that's, that's 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 part of my my big hairy audacious goal is to awesome. is to work on that. Yeah. yeah, but the software is that mainly geared towards the business owner, so yeah. they can it's figure out what they need. It, yeah, it is. It, it in fact is is geared towards business owners. Uh, generally, ones who've been in business for a little bit of time get the most reward out of it. So, yeah, a startup business owner, it's not really designed for them. It's more designed for someone who's been yeah. in business for yeah one to two years plus, and uh, they've started making a few mistakes, and they want to find out what those how to how to reduce those risks. So, uh, nice. yeah, the software is is designed for business owners, though. and it works. And it works. It works in Australia, the US, and the UK uh, very well. Nice. And then they can figure out what those gaps are and then go to their lawyer or find a lawyer and say, help me fill these gaps. Exactly. exactly. Very cool. Sounds awesome. Um, how many folks do you have working for you? Um, so I have a business partner in, in the US. I have a business manager over here and he has a team in, in, the, um, in the Philippines that do the software okay. development. I, I think there's about three or four people in that team. So it's a very small team in that business. In my law firm, we have a team of eight. Um, and so, but my business partner manages that, but yeah, nice. that's, that's generally that. And my business manager, she, she manages like all my business interests and, and helps me with it, with it across the board. Very cool. Um, so if I was to bump into any one of these folks and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I'll tell you what I hope that they would say. <laughs> I would hope that, well, in fact, we've recently done an, an emotional intelligence survey up through nice. my board of directors. Uh, and the quote that came out was uh, that I was a leading learner. So I love to learn. You know, we mentioned that it, I'm, I'm in Brisbane, Australia at 6 a.m. I get up at 4 a.m. every day and either record a podcast or I read. Wow. Um, and I make sure that I learn three hours a day. Uh, and the feedback that I got was that I lead them in learning and inspire them to, to learn and to grow better. So I don't know whether they just said that because they wondered whether or not I'd, I'd see it, but that's what they said recently nice. <laughs> about the type of leader I am. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Um, and so the leaders you work with, uh, what do you see them kind of struggling with aside from the law? Are there other things that they're struggling with right now? Um, I think that the, the big thing for me, and I do work with a lot of leaders. So I, I do, I run masterminds. You said that in the intro. Mm -hmm. um, they're really, I think a lot of it, they, they really struggle with their emotional intelligence. It's something that we've seen time and time again. It's why we did the, the emotional intelligence survey. And, you know, when we get out clients to do it, we, we do it as well. Yeah. Um, it, there's some, you know, been so much stuff that's happened for the last two years. Yeah. But, but that's life, right? Stuff happens all the time, but, but this has been next level. And people are just struggling with where does it end? And so it's that, I think it's, it's that realising that that's the case. Like I was just talking to my business manager um, a couple of days ago and she was like, she was feeling overwhelmed and we talked about why that happened. And, and over here we've had, not only we've had pandemic, we've had, we had uh, floods here. We had a, what, what's called an atmospheric river. We had something like um, 800 mils of rain in the space of 24 hours that flooded wow. and closed schools. And, you know, and then every time a kid gets a sniffle, they have to stay home from school. And, <laughs> and it's just like, she, she said to me, and she's right. It's like, we're in May and we're recording this in May and, and 2022. And it's, there's just been so much that's happened in that, in those five months. It's just, it's just overwhelming. And so I see leaders struggling with that. And I think talking about it. And so, so we, we sat there and we talked about it for an hour. You know, we, it wasn't scheduled, but you know, we needed to, because I was feeling the same and we we're able to talk it out. So that's what I'm seeing people struggle with. It's that, it's that uncertainty. 
And you need to embrace that uncertainty is part of life and, and kind of roll with the punches. I just think it's been amplified in the last couple of years. And I think, you know, we'll come out of it stronger. You know, we'll, sure. we'll come out of it stronger, but, sure. but you, know, you don't feel it at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're feeling it, but then they're also feeling responsible for their employees and helping them through it. And that's yeah. even more and they're struggling. And if you're struggling with your stress and then you're, you're trying to help your employee stress or yeah. your team member stress, it just compounds and it just compounds. And so for me, and, and we talk about this in the masterminds that I do, the boards of directors that I'm part of, we talk it out so that everyone knows that we're all going through the same thing. Yeah. And, and that's not to diminish it. That's to know that we're, we're all going through the same thing, but there's a path out. And, and, and the first step is talking it out with people. So that, yeah. that's where I see people struggling. And for anyone who's, who's listening to this, that's going through that right now, find someone to go and talk to about it. Yeah. Because often we feel, especially business owners, like business is a lonely place, right? Sure. And, and, and we feel that you know, it's, all, it's all on us. Everything's on our shoulders. I know, I've been there. I still go through it. But it's not until you actually sit down and talk to someone that you realize that I do actually have a support base. So yeah, yeah. yeah I'm awesome. not alone. Everybody yeah. is feeling this exactly like I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's that's important. The, the communication part of it, not only communicating with someone to understand what you're going through, but communicate with your employees to help them. Those going to let them know, hey, I'm I'm scared too. I'm worried about it too. You know, but we'll all get through this, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if, if you don't, guess what they'll do? They'll make up their own story in their head about what's going on. Right. <laughs> you know, that's that's that you say. I just had the conversation the other day. We as humans, we fill in a blank space with whatever our fear is. If you walk into a dark room, suddenly yeah. every fear you have is in that dark room coming at you, right? Sure. It's the same thing. If you don't understand what's going on, you don't think the best is coming. You think the worst is coming. That's right. That's wow. just human nature. And, yeah. and recognizing that, Harlan, is so important to, to being a, a great leader because yeah, you just you just if if you're not communicating to them, they're not communicating to you. You're all making up your own story. Mm -hmm. All sorts of problems happen. Absolutely, love it. So, what's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? It, it's really just continuing to get the message out. I love doing podcasts. I I I love talking to people about what we're doing and really getting the message out there as much as I can around the world. Um, you know, Australia was cut off for two years, and um, okay. so and so I haven't been able to do my normal. Uh, traveling around and and uh, talking to lawyers, I've tried to do it on Zoom. It's a it's a harder it's a harder uh, medium to get to get going. Uh, but kicking off in June, um, I'm going to the UK and I'm going to go um, again. My wife's going for work and I'm tagging along, but and I'm making it about my work as well. And I'm going to go and um, do some do some talks at, at various places when I'm there. And it's really really my where I'm at right now, Harlan is is getting the message out there about what we're doing, how we can help people, and how that they can reduce those legal risks getting that to the business owners so that they can help their lawyers to see that there is a different way because uh, lawyers, as I said before, lawyers are great technicians. They don't see the business development, but when they see the benefit of what we're trying to do, then, then yeah, it, our, our goal is, is for that to just keep on spiraling up to help, help more and more people um, worldwide. Excellent. Very cool. Well, this has been great. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about um, your, your software and, and your book and everything like that, where can they do that? So um, we've put together a page as a thank you for having me on the show. Uh, if people go to businesslegallifecycle.com slash courage to lead, just as one word, uh, they'll see some resources on there. One of the things that we'll do, as, again, as a thank you for having me on, is a 50% discount on our legal risk assessment for the listeners. Nice. 
Uh, so it's about forty-eight fifty. It's normally ninety-seven dollars, uh, and uh, so it's forty-eight fifty. Uh, that gives, as I said before, a thousand dollars worth of legal value. So if you wanted to get that same information from a from a lawyer, it's probably three to four hours worth of work for them to collate all the information and write up a report. Yeah. We give that to you for for, for just less, less than a hundred dollars, and for your listeners. Um, just less than fifty dollars, and there's some other resources on that page that people can see. Uh, and if they uh, want to follow uh, or reach out to me, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, if people search for my name, um, I'm the only Jeremy Stretton that spells my name that way. Um, and and you can find me on there. I, I post stuff about business and law uh, regularly, and and um, I love interacting with people on that platform. Very cool. Excellent. That is awesome. Thank you so much for that that free gift to the listeners too. That's that's amazing. I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes. So a link to your website, a link to that special page you've created, uh, a link to your LinkedIn profile. And uh, yeah, this is awesome. Love it. Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for taking time out to uh, talk to us and everything. And good luck with everything. And uh, yeah, I hope people ease up a little bit on lawyers. (laughs) They're here to help you. (laughs) They're here to help you, people. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Good deal. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of notes. A lot of good information here. Definitely check out the website and the Business Legal Lifecycle. Um, and share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues, um, anybody you know that's in business. Um, have them check this out. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. Bye.